Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Broadcasting from the Annie Up studio, it's the longest-running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scale. Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, February 10th. Wednesday was International Women's Day, and I have a little bit to say about that in today's one-outer, but... We also welcomed another future woman into the family this week as my daughter gave birth to a healthy baby girl. That made for an exciting week so far. We're also getting close to the Camp One Step Charity Tournament. Don't forget the code for $50 off your entry is ANTEUP50. That's anteup five zero. I hope to meet a lot of the A-team there. Before we get to that travel, though... I'll also be making my way out to Vegas later this month. I'll keep you guys posted on that trip. I'd love to meet some of you out there as well. There's a lot going on around here, but we have a podcast to do, so let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. All right, here we are back around the table with Mike. How you doing, Mike? Hey, Joe. I'm doing great, man. How are you doing today? I am doing well. It is still beautiful outside. Yep. So I can't complain when when we're talking about the first week of March. No, it's, I'm plugging right along with it too. Um, it looks like I might get some better internet soon, so that my uh, all my equipment will work correctly. <laughs> They've laid the uh, fiber the fiber cable up through here, and the guys are down through here putting boxes in along the road. So hopefully they'll put us one in. But I guess we'll see in the next month or so. That sounds good. Hey, I know that uh, I know that we usually talk about a lot of different things, but I just wanted to say uh, that I've had a pretty good run the last two weekends. Um, you know, I went down to the rivers at that one weekend here a couple of weekends ago and gotcha. doubled up plus paid for the hotel for a couple of nights and all the meals and the drinks and, and all the other incidentals that I got. Right. Uh, which was really good for me. I was happy. Right. Uh, then last weekend, I went to that charitable event here in uh, Keswick, Virginia. Yeah. Um, they had uh, they had almost like 50, 50-some players. Okay. 50 or 60 players. And how did you do? Uh, believe it or not, I came in sixth. Nice. Um, made it to the final table. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And uh, uh, I got me a little... Uh, you know, I got me a little trophy thing. It's a poker, a hand holding a poker hand, which uh, was really good. And I got a gift card out of the deal because, you know, they're, they're trying not to spend all their money. They're, they're actually raising it for veterans. That's what I was going to ask you. Was- yeah. It's all for veterans. Uh, I'm going to 
I'm gonna get some stuff to you so we can get it on Facebook and show people what it's about. That's perfect. You know, yeah. And speaking of charities and fundraising, so let's let all the folks know that we've been working really hard on the uh, our charitable events and our fundraising efforts as far as that section of Annie Up. Right. We we have we've we've been working really hard. I know, like you said, you you know you went and played in that one this weekend. We've got uh, Camp One Step coming up soon. Yep. So yeah, it's it's an important part of Annie Up now. And we're working on getting a lot of things moving there. Absolutely. I, I'm hoping so, because there's a whole lot of places that could use us to help them out. And I think we should be in the mix. Absolutely. So we'll we'll keep everybody posted so we can get stuff some posted on Facebook, maybe on our website. Um, it's a work in progress, but it's a lot closer than it was when we talked about it a month ago. Absolutely. We've got we've got a lot of things working. <laughs> hey, hey, you was talking to me the other day about controversies. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah. So one that that's kind of been, I guess, circling the drain a little bit right now has been this Phil Helmuth uh, controversy with uh, <laughs> buy-ins into the cash games. So I think it's funny, you know, Phil Helmuth, whether you like him or you don't like him, he's won more bracelets than anybody else in poker. So his yep. his tournament game, you can't deny that it is on point, right? Uh, the cash game... He's a good poker player. Absolutely. The cash mm-hmm. game, he has done well enough, obviously, but he's under some controversy right now because he's buying into these high roller tournaments, but he's buying in for super short stacks. So, the con- so what's wrong with that? The controversy yeah. with it is... It, it takes away part of the poker element, right? So he's not able to make poker moves as much because he, he doesn't have as many chips. So it's more of a wait for premium hands and then go big, you know? Or is he, is he, don't they have limits set at these cash games of the minimum buy-ins? They probably do. Uh, I don't know what those minimums are, but... You know, most when when you sit down at a table where people are buying in for two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, and then he comes in with a stack of eighty thousand, then that's that's where the controversy is. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. Here's the thing: he's winning. He's definitely. Well, I don't think it's wrong. I, well, I think the the thing is. There's a lot of those little unwritten rules in everything, right? Unwritten rules in poker. There's unwritten rules in sure. in baseball. There's unwritten rules in football. There's always the unspoken rules. And this is one of those things where the poker community is seeing it as disrespectful. And they're saying, huh. they're saying, not I'm saying, they are saying that it makes him seem like less talented cash game player. Hmm. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. I mean, I don't play at those stakes. I I can't speak for anything at those nosebleed levels. Well, I mean, you know, think about it for us, and we bought in for eight dollars, and everybody else buying in for fifty dollars. You know, yeah. uh, okay, so what? That's uh, eight bucks all I got. I had a cheeseburger on the way over, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't. It's an expensive cheeseburger. You know, I, I'm the type of of cash game player that if you want to play poker, you sit down and play poker with whatever you got in your pocket. And if that's eighty thousand, yeah. Or if it's five hundred thousand, whatever you want to put out there is what you're playing with. If he loses that eighty thousand, right. then he can buy back in or he can go home. You know, I, that's I don't know. 
The thing is, if he has eighty thousand and he has he brought three hundred thousand, but he only buys in for eighty thousand, now his his ability to play poker there is different, and he's only he's limiting what he can lose. Yeah, so he's definitely limiting his risk. Let's talk about this though. It's called a cash game. It's not a right. tournament. Not everybody's buying in the same. How many times have you sat down at a one two or one three table? with your $300 buy-in or $200 buy-in, and somebody comes up with a $500 buy-in. You know what? Right. I, okay. Now, that guy's, you know, he if he goes all in, I'm killed because I've got maybe 150 200 bucks laying out here. Makes you feel, okay, that's that's on me. That's not on him. You know, I, I don't sure. know. Yeah. I, I, don't, uh, I don't have a problem with playing with anybody that wants to play poker. If you set a minimum to put on the table, then okay. But if they don't have a minimum set... That's their bad. That's not his bad. Absolutely. You know, if they got a minimum of 50 and he's bringing 80, well, okay, he's over what they're saying you need to play with. So I don't know. I, I don't, I, right. he's not buying in for less than whatever they say the minimum table thing is. And if they don't have a minimum, absolutely. They, I mean, obviously, yeah, if they don't have a minimum buy in. Obviously, they're letting them. They should have one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If they, are letting him play then you know for the eighty thousand or whatever it is that exactly. he's buying in for. If they're letting him play with it, then you know that's on you guys too, right? So they, they can get up and walk away, say I ain't playing for that. Yeah, you know if they don't want to play it, that that's that's what I think. But anyways, I don't want to make nobody mad either. That's where I stand. I'm drawing a <laughs> line, and the... that's that's your line. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that's. You know, you know what? You got anything else? Because that's all I got tonight. <laughs> that sounds good to me. I, I wish you all the luck. I got two beds and a sleeper sofa. Come on down. I don't know if I'll be able to make it, but um, whether I make it or I don't make it, then I wish you all the luck. I can't wait to hear how you do. Thank you. And let me holler this out real quick. Hey, team, come on out to the Rivers Casino in Portsmouth this weekend. I'll be there Friday and Saturday. And when you look up on that poker board, I'll probably be the short stack. <laughs> uh, and uh, I play under the name McEwen, M-A-C-K-U-E-N. Are you going to be the short stack because you buy an in short or because you lost it? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to feel you my helmet on the <laughs> this weekend. But I do plan on going to the uh, 510 table for a while. Okay. And I'm going to play there for a little bit, but I don't know if I'm going to do that Saturday day or Saturday night. We'll find out. Uh, but tomorrow is is the one three. You know, uh, if y'all don't see me there on Saturday and my name's not on the board waiting to play, you know they took them all. They took all Friday. your money already. <laughs> oh no! Anyhow, okay. Um, thanks for that. And Joe, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I know you got some family stuff you're working on. Yeah. Wish you the best in all that. Well, I know we didn't make it to a poll question this week, but we'll come up with one next week. If you do get a chance, please come on up. Thanks, Mike. All right, All right brother. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games. And he is with me again this week. How are you, Elliot? Doing really well, Joe. How you doing today? I am doing well. I want to start off, though, by saying I know you have a series that's going to be going on there. Tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. I appreciate the plug. 
Uh, we've got the Electric City Poker Series coming up from April 13th to the 23rd. 11 different events over 11 days and a whole bunch of mega satellites for the two main events. We call it the Electric City Poker Series uh, because this is the Electric City. Uh, Thomas Edison started General Electric here, and we've got a, a huge history with them. And uh, their sign still lights up the Schenectady skyline every day, even though GE is sadly no longer here. I love it. I, I had no idea that there was that history there. Uh, yes, going back to, well, what would have to be the beginning of the 1900s. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you said it's uh, how many tournaments? 11 different uh, trophy events. Oh, wow. Okay. Really nice trophies, too. These are going to look gorgeous. We'll have them on display, of course, during the event. Uh, we're opening up with a $400 buy-in, uh, 75K guarantee uh, mystery bounty tournament. Oh, that's fun. Uh, the, bounty, the mystery bounties will run all the way up to 10K. Pretty strong for a $400 buy-in. Yeah, I love it. Should be a blast. There's a whole bunch of events in between. And then the final main event is a $800 buy-in, 150K guarantee. So those main events are both multi-flighted. Uh, with a restart on day two. Everybody in day two is in the money. Oh, okay. Uh, there's no coming back to day two and then busting out and not getting paid. <laughs> That's good. I like that. And it's fair. I mean, Saturday night is generally uh, uh, the, the most expensive room night of the week. Yeah. Although for the tournament, we've got special rates for the tournament with code, well, get this, 4ACE23. So 4ACE23 will get you an $88 room rate each night of the event from April 13th to the 23rd. Okay, nice. That's some good incentive right there. Four ACE23. Correct. All right. Uh, it'll be based on play. So if you fail to play an event or, or put your time in, in the poker room, the hotel will likely revoke the rate for you. Oh, okay. But as long as you are playing in the poker room in, in at least one of the tournaments and in the poker room itself, you'll be fine. That makes sense. There's good return on investment in just about every, every event's got a guaranteed prize pool, including the ladies event, the seniors event. We're doing uh, a shoe, and we're doing something rather unique. Uh, we call it the River's Revival. So it's not a rebuy tournament. It's a chance to get back in. So we're giving a revival button to everybody in the tournament. And if you go all in and lose, you can turn your button in for 20 big blinds. Oh, I like that. And it's valid any time in the tournament. You could be at the final table and bust. And if you still have your revival button, if you haven't busted until that point, so you can turn that button in at the final table and get 20 big blinds at that level. Oh, that's interesting. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, we thought we'd experiment with it. It seems kind of unique. I worked it out with the math and figured out what it would do to the potential uh, lengthening or shortening of the tournament. And it, most of the players I talked about uh, this with uh, seem very excited. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it really should be. And again, I mean, say you're at the final table and somebody's only got three or four big blinds, are you going to work too hard to bust them out when knowing full well that busting them out gets them more chips than them winning the pot? <laughs> That's a good point. That's a very good point. Well, getting down to business, switching gears a little bit, uh, we got a call the floor here sent in by uh, Dave Miller. This is interesting to me. He deals in a pub league, but he says that we try to follow TDA rules for the most part. So the players don't get surprised when they play in a casino. The question he asks is, should a dealer announce a tabled hand as soon as it is tabled or only once all other hands are tabled or, or mucked? He says, what brought this up at a heads up showdown with a rainbow board of Jack, Queen, 10, Jack, 8, the aggressor shows 
10-6. The other player in the hand looks and says straight. While she is hesitant to show her hand, she must have read the six as a nine for the straight. He really only had two pair. The way she was holding her hand, but not tabled, I can see that she has queen four for a better two pair. The only quote-unquote reading of the hand was made by the other player in the hand. While both players are relatively experienced, the woman with queen four has been told in the past that she should just show the hand if she is unsure. But in the confusion of several people trying to read the other hand, she mucked her hand, causing everyone else to finally quiet down. But while one corner of one card was actually touching the muck, the cards were still clearly identifiable and retrievable. One of the players who saw her hand said, you had the winning hand. She was rattled and truly didn't know what to do. I never pulled her hand in, so I pushed them back to her while other players who weren't even in the hand complaining that they were mucked. I asked her what she wanted to do. After thinking for a moment, she turned over her hand and I pushed her the pot. I also talked about the identifiable and retrievable hand rule that Elliot had mentioned in the past. Should I have spoken up sooner and announced the aggressor's hand before all the chaos broke out or even after, but before she made her decision to fold? And once the third player spoke up to tell her that the cards touching the muck was the winning hand, should her hand have been killed? For the record, the player who lost the pot because of this was totally fine with the way I handled it, but it still bugs me. Well, this is a a packed submission. Right. There's a lot there. Certainly. Uh, First, I'd like to uh, uh, thank you, Dave, and the rest of the league for for using TDA rules. That's why we agree on them and put them out. We want everybody's tournament experience to be safe and standard. So uh, thank you for using them and continue to do so. Let's move on to the actual situation where the aggressor uh, turned their hand up, 10-6 off, and then the other player in the pot who turned out to be the winner uh, looked at the hand and announced it. I'll answer your first question. Should you have spoken up? Yes. As the dealer, it is your job to read the hands as they're tabled. That was the tabled hand. It is the dealer's responsibility in a poker table to facilitate the showdown. You're supposed to read the hands and announce the hands as they are, regardless of, of winning or losing. It's your job to make that happen. But also, it's everybody else's job too. Card speak is in the TDA rules, and it's in most poker rooms rules. Right. And that's short for the cards speak for themselves. So it's not part of the game to allow somebody to misidentify a hand and correctly or incorrectly uh, discard their own hand. The game is over when the bets are settled. The game doesn't continue after the bets are settled into mind games over what cards are what. The hands have to be identified as they're shown. I'm glad that she was given her hand back. You use the, the correct criteria, identifiable and retrievable. And I'm glad you got her her hand back. She didn't fold to a bet. She folded to confusion. Uh, she misidentified her opponent's hand and, and nobody corrected her, even though by all rights and certainly within the rules, they were obligated to correct her. That was a tabled hand that was misidentified that was about to be pushed to pot. Everybody's got to speak up, including you as the dealer, David. Right. So I'm glad that the person who ended up losing the pot with, with the pair of tens was not upset. I'm glad that the winner got the right hand got the right call eventually and still got the pot. Right. This could have been avoided had everybody just correctly identified the cards as they were shown, especially in a bar league where it's a lot of novice players and a lot of beginners and a lot of people having fun. A lot of people obviously enjoying the drink specials the bar provides to uh, the players playing in the league to fill the room. Right. You don't want to come off as cutthroat 
and mean. It's very common in, in home games that gamesmanship and, and correctly reading cards and knowing and identifying hands is absolutely considered part of the game, even past the betting round. Uh, that is not how it's played in, in public and certainly not in a bar league where you want to be as player friendly as possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the only other question that they asked, we've talked about numerous times, which is the third player spoke up and the cards were touching the muck. Should that have been killed? And we've we've already talked about that that should not be the case. Absolutely not. Uh, Death by contact is not a thing anymore. Identifiable and retrievable is the standard. and, And that was met, obviously. Right. Like you said, there was a lot there to unpack, but I'm glad that, like you said, they are trying to follow the rules. They did a good job. It looks like it was done correctly, except maybe he should have read that hand out a little bit sooner, right? That's about it. This was handled pretty well. The The end result was certainly what should have happened. And it appears as though nobody had any hard feelings. So again, it, it was fair for everyone. And that's also important. Right. All right, Dave. Well, I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Elliot, again, uh, as always. Quite welcome. Glad to be here. And if you have a call the floor that you would like for Elliot to go over, then send it to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. All right, here we are with another Hand of the Week, and Patrick Guzzi is going to join me again this week. How are you, Patrick? I'm doing well. Appreciate you guys having me back. See if we can't take another run of this. All right. Uh, well, this week we've got a hand that's sent in by Guy Hardy. We're playing 2-5. We're eight-handed, and our stack is 450. He says the villain in this hand is definitely the table captain who's running everybody over and has a stack of over 2,000. He is having a great time talking and laughing, as I would too if I, I would had I would say it. so, yeah. He's got us, you know, what, fived up there? So, yeah. Yep. Uh, he's a loose, aggressive reg who, despite his table talk, knows the dynamics of his own image and everyone else at the table, and definitely uses it to his advantage. He's already shown down two triple barrel bluffs and has shown down many weak hands that manage to nut up by the turn or a river, all within the first half hour of me being there. On the other hand, I have not had a hand to play for half an hour, and the other players have even joked that we got a knit at the table. <laughs> So when we get to this hand, middle position limps for $5. I've seen this player limp twice and fold to raises. I look down at the nine of spades, seven of spades in the cutoff. What's the play here? So they already limped in with the five. I mean, I I haven't had a hand to play. Now I've got two cards here. You know, I've got a flush right out the hand is my first thought and a straight, you know, draw. I'm probably going to go in now that I finally have a hand. I don't know, probably 45. Wow. A little strong. Jump, I'm jump feeling, right out I'm there. feeling good. I've been sitting here for a half an hour. <laughs> I've got nothing. Let's just see if we can't turn this table and see what we're doing. All right. Well, Guy went a little less. He did come in with, for a raise, but he went in for 25. Okay, fair enough. The villain, or table captain, is on the button in this hand and states, Oh, I got to play now. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> he calls... And middle position folds. With $60 in the pot, the flop comes out the nine of diamonds, ten of spades, queen of clubs. What do you do? All right, so we paired up our nines. Still have outside flush draw. I mean, you're still there. But 
Um, well, I came in hot the first time. I paired up the nods, even though it's a low pair. He's, you know, playing that funny game over there as far as, well, now I got to play. I'm going to force him to continue to play on this one. And I'm going to bet the same thing. I'm going to bet 45 again. Okay. So you, you made the same bet as the same bet. Okay. Correct. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, guy checks. Okay. And the villain bets $30. Okay. So in that case, I probably would have called, I guess, in that instance. If right. I if I had yeah. checked like guy, yeah, I probably would have called after the 30 came out. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, if you're willing to put in 45, you're willing to put in the 30, right? Yep. Well, guy says, I decide to float with bottom pair and a backdoor flush. With $120 in the pot, the term is the nine of clubs. Now we have trips. What are you going to do with that? So for me, at least, you know, the way that I'm playing the hands, you know, I came in a little bit strong to start with, came in a little bit strong again with the flop. I'm going to go strong again. You know, if he's, he's already calling me to continue to play in this hand, I'm probably, at least me, I'm going to bet the same thing. Get him. I don't want to go too over the top and, you know, think that he's tripped it up. And that way I can kind of keep him in the hand. So I'm going to bet 45 again. Okay. So three streets. Yeah. Same total. Uh, consistency. Consistency, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it keeps him on his toes at least maybe a little bit. You know, he doesn't know if I've, you know, got a really high pocket pair or I've, you know, maybe matched up something on the board. But All right. that'd be my hope at least. Well, guy checks again. Okay. The villain says, I have it. And he shoves for the rest of my stack about $400 effective. What do you do with that? He says, I have it. So That's what he said. He said, I have it. My guess is, all right, so he's checked, gone in. He's either, he either flopped the straight. Right. He definitely, clearly doesn't have the nine because I do. I mean, know, he could have a nine. That's a good point. He could have a nine. At that point, I'm calling. I mean, if I'm playing guy's hand, I'm calling it. I mean, now granted, I've only been sitting at the table for 30 minutes and this is the first good hand that I've gotten, apparently. <laughs> um, you know, my, my night might be over real quick, but this could set a precedent for the rest of the evening if we're going to sit here for a bit. So right. I, I'm calling him on that one. Okay. So guy's question is, can I fold here? Now that I've basically gotten the nut turn card, I don't know that that's true, but I feel like if villain had 10-10 or queen-queen, he would have at least considered raising rather than calling pre-flop. That makes yeah, sense. Right. He might think with my nitty reputation, I can be pushed off by checking twice and opening pre. It's a large shove by something like four times the pot. I called and the villain shows Jack eight offsuit. He did flop the straight. Man, and our night's done very quickly there, guy. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't improve on the river and I'm done. Uh, he didn't say if he bought in again or not. So hopefully guy, hopefully you bought in again and we're able to run it up and, and make some money. So my thoughts on this hand, I mean, I think if he's shoving there, I feel like he has a beat every time. I don't, I don't feel like you can call, even though you have not, you have three nines, your kicker sucks. It's <laughs> true. I did think about that. That seven is low, especially, you know, depending on obviously what else he's got, but let, um, let me ask you this. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he shove or bet once the flop came out? Once he once he grabbed it. Um, you're definitely first of all, you were the one that started the aggression pre-flop, right? True. So he's gonna let you, or if it were me, I'm gonna let you hang yourself a little bit. But also, you know, he's already got the image. He doesn't need to push the action. Fair. 
And position is a wonderful thing. I mean, he gets to see what your action is going to be first, so he can act accordingly. Thus, you know, the the small bets after you check. So I feel like if even if he had a nine at that point, any nine he has is going to beat you. A nine ten would be a pretty good hand to play from that position, the way he played it. You pushed it each street. Yeah. I don't know that I would say you pushed it enough. If I was going to bet, I probably would have bet more than, more than that. More than that, the way you played it. Just simply because you came in so strong pre-flop. And then, you know, you just kept the same bet consistent all the way through. You know, you've got to be thinking about the amount that's in the pot. It's getting easier and easier for him to make a call. If you're going to make a bet, then what's the reason for the bet? But yeah, I mean, four times the pot on the river, though, that's not a bluff bet. I I don't feel like. I mean, it's very polarized for sure. It's either a bluff or he has the nuts. (laughs) It would be a big bluff at that times once in the pot at that point. Yeah. Um, he, I, I feel like he almost always has at least a nine there though. He probably thinks, he probably thinks you've got something like ace, ace, king, king, something like that. As, especially with that nitty kind of, uh, image that you, you have. So if that's the case, then yeah, let you hang yourself and, and then push it. He probably thought you were going to push the action more. And since you didn't. And then he's trying to make up for that at the river, too. Gotcha. I mean, I feel like that's that's the reason that he has the chips that he's had, because the nits at the table are calling off whenever they have a hand and they're not backing off when they see something like that. But, I mean, when you look at your hand, in all honesty, three nines, I mean, it sounds great, but it's really, at that point, you're really only beating a bluff at that point. Yeah, I, I still, think it's still a tough hand to fold. I will say it that is, one. when it, he comes in, when he shoves in to match us and, and puts us there, I mean that's that's a real tough hand to fold. It is, but at the same time, you know that's that allows you to make money in the end, right? Yep, making folds like that. It it's usually not the calls that you make that have you winning. It's the folds that you make that make you a winning player. You mean, meaning that you're still living and you're still playing. That's <laughs> yeah. a good point. Fair enough. <laughs> all right well guy um you know i hate that for you but uh hopefully like i said you you were able to run up another stack and you ended the day in positive but uh other than that patrick i really appreciate you joining me again absolutely it's good to be here and hopefully we can do it again absolutely and if you have a hand that you'd like us to go over send it to podcast at com. the question is how you running? All right, Bob Popper is our double duty ambassador down there in Florida right now, and uh, normally our ambassador for the Midwest. Bob, how you running down there in Florida? Well, I hope you have your bleep button ready, Joe, because uh, I've been running like a piece of. Beep. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I've had a lot of bad beats. You remember the ones that uh, are, are pounded on your head. You don't remember the ones that you give out. But it's for me, it's just been one of those zones where it doesn't matter what you have, somebody's going to draw out on you. I, uh, whether it be tournament or even some of what I call the carnival games, I've just get been getting my beep, beep. <laughs> 
And uh, it's 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 one of those things that happens, you know. Uh, even the pros have have been all millionaires and been broke, and I'm just in one of those downward trends where some of those no fold them hold them players uh, are, are making me run bad down here. But again, there there are a lot of older people down here that uh, I say don't know how to play poker uh, and and play like a piece of beep. So. Um, <laughs> And it happens, you know, you've got to take the good with the bad. You look at any player out there and if you throw your cards and stomp away mad, uh, you'll, you'll never come back to the tables and, uh, you know, you don't want to be steaming. I, I'm not Phil Hellmuth and uh, never want to be. You just take the good with the bad. So other than that, I'm still ahead down here in the Sunshine State and enjoying the weather. Uh, it's not bad back up in the Midwest where I'm from, but I don't want to go back. So <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. You got to soak up that sun while you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. As far as, as far as those players go, it's, it's tough because those are the players you want to be up against, but at the same time, sometimes it works out for them. Yes. I, I remember somebody told me, and it's probably written in, in all the poker uh, uh, books and annals that you, you can't bluff an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Even in the carnival games, uh, there's a game called Ultimate Texas Hold'em where uh, the dealer deals out five cards that are mutual for everyone. You have two. Right. You're not playing against players. You're playing against the dealer. And right. I'd come up with two pair. They'd come up with three of a kind. I'd come up with three of a kind. They'd come up with a straight. So the son of a bitch is dealers, um, you know, just beat me. And when it happened in, in a cash game and it happened in a tournament and it happened in the carnival games, I just put my wallet back in my pocket, walked out to my car and started it up and went home. Yep. The fish are everywhere. <laughs> you really want them? But you know, like they say at the table, if you can't tell who the fish is, <laughs> yeah, it's you. Well, How's the how's the scene looking down there in Florida right now? You know, again, poker is hot and heavy down here. Uh, there, there are so many new venues down here in the past two or three years post-COVID. Uh, you know, 400-plus rooms uh, or tables and 30-plus uh, new poker venues. They have WSOP events down here. They've got a lot of good uh, good tournaments going on at, at, at some of the premier places, some of the off shoot and you know side street poker rooms are also having their own fun and games but you know for example pompano beach harris down there had a circuit event wsop circuit event that actually was a two-week long event and they shattered uh, the initial guarantees in the 16 events they had they had over a thousand entries in the 1700 dollars main event alone that had a prize pool of over a million and a half dollars. And and the guarantee was only a half a million, so it was 500000 and they had 153 players cash. That's a pretty good turnout. Yeah. So what you're saying is poker is not dead. It's not dead. In fact, <laughs> uh, I lived in Michigan for a couple of years, and, and a next-door neighbor, uh, Chris Tremblay from Macomb, Michigan, um, took home the, uh, the $266,000-plus prize in that that was a career earning amount for him besting robert lupo in a four hour heads up match oh nice um, yeah he hung on just by a thread a couple of times actually a handful of times being short stacked and then finally went into the chip lead uh, and to, in in hearing what he had to say he he kept his cool he didn't panic while he was short stacked he stayed in the game he kept with his game plan 
and it, you know, was awarded with 266,000. Lupo actually got a nice, uh, a nice little chunk of change, getting 164,000. Not a bad day at the office. No, not at all. Even third place. Um, I think his name was Ryan Enriquez. Enriquezo, I, I believe, earned over 121,000. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that says a lot for the state of poker, for sure. Well, and it's not just the guys uh, on the ladies' side of the chart. Lonnie Harwood, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Some of the uh, of, of our anti-up nation people might know. She was a five-time circuit winner, and she just fell short of her bid for a sixth piece of the Justin's hardware. Ariel Williams got her first ring in one of the events there. And other people, Daniel Perlman, Neil Blumfeld, uh, let's see, Benjamin Robinson, were people that also cashed in some of the uh, WSOPs there. The action was just hot and heavy down here. In places besides there, like Pompano Park, Palm Beach Kennel Club, Embro Greyhound Park, these are some of the, you know, side street, as I call them, places, Derby Lane, Hialeah Park, and my home stomping grounds, Oxford Downs, just to name a few that are out here. Nice. Well, that's what things are looking like there in Florida, but uh, how about back home in the Midwest? How's that looking? Well, I tell you, the action up there has been hot and heavy, too. Uh, a lot of WSOP events, a lot of bad beats that are still untouched. The Let's see. Well, let's start with Hammond, Indiana, uh, the horseshoe out there. Event one in the WSOPC. It was a $400 no-limit hold'em event that had over 3,000 players out there in a pool of over a million dollars. Trevor, I think his name is Bub Bolts, uh, hit for $135,000 on that. Nice. Event number two, a $400 double stack, was captured by Nancy Dang, and the 14th title grabbed by Josh Reichard and took a $36,000 prize. Mike Sabia, if you're familiar with him, I'm not sure. He's He's one of the well-known players in uh, the Chicago area, Windy City Poker, Kirk's venue. And actually, he won uh, event number three, uh, the seniors event that uh, was a, a mystery bounty. I actually sat next to Mike uh, a number of years ago at uh, the World, uh, the Windy City Poker Championship, the $3,000 championship. I was fortunate enough and lucky enough, I guess, to to win a charity back seat into the $3,000 event that was a winner take all. There were 70 people there and I guess I, I just got lucky. So that's that's one of those where you don't remember all the bad beats you put on people, just the ones that are right. put <laughs> I'm sure to get there, I had to do that. And Mike Mike is a is a great player. Actually, it was, it was wonderful to sit. I sat to his right and to his left was Craig Casino who is a pretty okay. well-known HPT player. So it was nice to see Mike win, and I'm hoping to get in touch with him and maybe get a little more insight into his victory. He's kind of had a busy time, and we weren't able to catch each other before uh, before this podcast, but I'm sure I'll have him on air soon. Good. What's the cash? I know you said there's some big bad beat jackpots that uh, haven't been taken down yet. What's the cash scene looking like out there? Well, I'll tell you, there was one that was taken down uh, you know, just about three weeks ago at Rivers in Des Plaines. They hit it for $191,000. Wow. Four jacks were bested by four aces, and that's that's a pretty good chunk of change to take home. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, that, that was a nice one. But the other ones that were still outstanding, 
as far as I know, haven't been beat. I haven't heard any of them being beat yet at Grand Victoria or any of the Caesars facilities or anything out in, even in Indiana. So get out and play, take your chances. Uh, You know, Grand Victoria's was over uh, $60,000. Hollywood Aurora was over uh, 113. Southern Indiana, I think, was over 300,000. Four wins, 200 and some thousand. Horseshoe in Hammond was over 150. So these are still out there as far as I know. And, you know, it's there for the taking. That's awesome. That, those are good pots to try to take down. They are. Well, is, was there anything else you wanted to throw out there to the Antioch Nation? Well, a little bit more uh, about the Midwest and Chicago and Indiana area. The Waukegan Temporary Casino is going to open soon. I don't believe it's going to have a poker room at this time, but they're going to have a brick-and-mortar location between Chicago and Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, the Windy City Poker Championship uh, had a charity event at Gibson Steakhouse downtown at the Frog Bar, benefiting the Chicago Lighthouse. They serve veteran communities for the visually impaired and disabled vets. And uh, the winner there uh, will get a 10000 actually got a $10,000 seat to the main event at WSOP. I just don't have a, nice. a winner on that yet. The Windy City $3,000 winner-take-all tournament, that's the one that I was fortunate enough to win some time ago, was won by Jack Overtuff. He won this year. And he will play May 21st in the televised Shady Oak Camp $3,000 main event. Uh, that should be a, a pretty decent decent event. The World Series of Poker is heading to Grand Victoria in Elgin next month, April 6th through the 17th, I believe. And some other winners down south in Indiana, Horseshoe in Indianapolis, Todd Murphy won a 2023 main event seat. Basically, it was a month-long tournament and promotions that they ran down there, but he beat the field there and won a seat. Seth Litt actually took down the 50K event and uh, said he's not a tournament player, but may have to change his tune after this one. <laughs> and uh, there, are, there are a few dozen promotions out there that, you know, they've got hot seats, they've got a chance to win WSOP seat and all those good things in Indy. Caesars Southern Indiana has promotions running in March, including a $1,000 high hand bonus, splash the pots, royal flush giveaways, all those other good things to, again, to attract the good players down here. Right. Um, One last thing I can tell you is the main event at Horseshoe Hammond, the $1,700 buy-in, was won by a local guy, a Geneva resident, David Schoenbach, and he pocketed a cool $282,000, getting his second gold ring of the week. He beat the <laughs> A thousand people he beat on his way to that victory lap and actually had a heads up up battle with Eddie Blumenthal, who finished second and got a cool 174,000. But showing back, I don't want to say was greedy, but he also won the $400 monster stack a few days (laughs) earlier, snapped up uh, uh, 52 grand with that and has career earnings of over $400,000 now. It was a great feeling to win the main event. And winning a pair of rings in the same week wasn't too shabby. And I, <laughs> I would tend to agree with him. Right. <laughs> uh, one of the other things that's a little little disappointing in Indiana, uh, I'm sure our anti-up nation people may be aware that the online gaming bill in Indiana uh, for the third consecutive year failed to pass. They thought it was a really they had a really good chance to pass this year, 
but it, it just failed again. And uh, they're going to have to try again and see what they can do. And yeah. hopefully that didn't even make it to a vote, did it? No, no, it really didn't get there. And they're going to have to wait now until next year. So yeah. it, it's just unfortunate. Yeah, it didn't didn't even make it. And uh, that's a shame. That's just that's a shame. Yeah. Yep. I hate that. Well, listen, Bob, I appreciate you doing double duty for me down there in Florida and covering the Midwest as well. And um, as things come up, you just let, let us know and we'll get back on here, okay? Sounds good. If you want, I can give you a little triple duty and give you some of the WSOP Vegas uh, results. Oh, please do. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, Brian Mileski, I believe it is, won a $400 No Limit Hold'em event down at the Horseshoe in Vegas, event 13. There were only about, uh, well, a little less than 200 people down there. And he took home a, a nice little chunk of change, $15,000. He's from Minnesota and was the MSPT president, I believe. Oh, wow. Beating a new house from San Clemente. So, you know, not only, what is it? Uh, not only am I a, a, a customer, but I, or the owner of the company, but I'm a, a customer too. That was some razor commercial or something like that. I think it was hair loss for men or something like that. that. That's it. There you go. The $1,700 event had 800 and some people, a million dollar prize pool, all those good things that, that are, are really attracting people down in Vegas. And um, Ben Wren won the main event down there beating Alex Foxen and um, clipping, you know, $227,000 for his victory down there. He's won four or five titles, but uh, never a WSOP. And getting a ring like that for him, he said actually left, left him speechless. Foxen, who he defeated, heads up, he said was one of his poker idols. So uh, <laughs> they're both natives of Long Island, and uh, now they, they share victory and defeat as well. Yeah. And um, the last thing was a, a nice Herakies Cherokee WSOPC event. This was out in North Carolina. I know it's a little outside of Vegas, so I guess I'm doing four duty for yeah. you now. Uh, you don't expect so, any more pay. You know, just double my salary and we'll all be good. But no, this is it's it's a pleasure, by the way, working for you, of course, and working with you and for the Antioch Nation. There were 1,700 people here, and Brian Altman won that one and moved his career earnings to over 700 million dollars wow uh speaking back of florida he was a three-time world poker tour title capturer in the sunshine state down here so he's just on a good run i guess yeah i guess <laughs> And the one thing I'd like to say and, and continue in the vein that, that we have here that's very important and, and near and dear to your heart and ours is, you know, our anti-up being a supporter of the charity events that are going on. Any organizations that we haven't touched base with or haven't touched base with us, we encourage to get a hold of us. We know about Play Poker Chicago and Windy City Poker and Rockford Charitables. And of course, the great event coming up with Camp One Step right uh, on april 20th in chicago so if you haven't seen that information in print check out our podcasts and and please please go out and support these charities and it's all for a good cause we we appreciate it and it's very important to us at any of absolutely thank you for mentioning that too all right are there any other states you'd like to cover or <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I wouldn't mind going to Monte Carlo, but, uh, you know, 
it, it's difficult to get there. Plane tickets and schedules are a little tight right now, but I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, Bob. Well, I appreciate all that you do, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, Joe. Take care. Thanks, everybody. It's time for Joe's One Outer. Close your eyes and imagine people sitting around a poker table. Most, if not all, are men, right? I mean, historically, poker has been a quote-unquote man's game. But maybe as the game continues to evolve, it's time for that to change as well. We've had a lot of outstanding celebrity women in poker. There's even a highly informative book entitled Winning Women of Poker, Secret Strategies Revealed that was published in 2011. The book features 14 celebrity poker women as the authors, including Barbara Enright, the first woman to make the WSOP main event final table, finishing in fifth place in 95, and who was inducted into the Poker Hall of Fame in 2007. There's also Linda Johnson, known as the First Lady of Poker, Jan Fisher, Maria Ho, and more. There have been other women who have made their marks in the game as well, including Jennifer Harmon, Jennifer Tilly, Kara Scott... The list is pretty long, but when you examine the poker world, note how few females are playing in the casinos compared to men. The last time I was at a casino, I took a head count over several hours. At a full table of nine players, most of the time there were only one or two women seated, not counting the dealers. Sometimes, though, there were none. The thing is, any strong industry requires a healthy influx of new customers. In this case, those customers are the players. And if women were playing in the same numbers as men, imagine what that would do for poker. Doubling the field size, bringing lots of new players into the game, bigger money up top for winners, more viewing public for the TV shows, an increase in revenue for the companies. It's a win-win all around. The general sentiment of everyone involved in poker today is that the game must grow. As fans of the game sit Longing for another poker boom, it makes perfect sense to pin those hopes for the game's resurgence on women. I mean, women represent the largest pool of potential players who've consistently been absent in a live setting. I, for one, want to lay out the welcome mat. Maybe then we'll be able to close our eyes and automatically imagine a random poker table that has just as many women seated there as men. That's today's one-outer. And that's today's show. See you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcasts at AnyUpMagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at AnyUpMagazine.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.